Good morning, Rock Church. Welcome to our series on Charismata, Spiritual Gifts. I have the super simple, no conflict, no uh, problem topic of praying in tongues. Yay? Um, I want to tell you, I believe in this with all of my heart. God has proven himself to me in this over and over and over again. But I'd like to nip one thing uh, before we even get started, and that is I've had so many people say to me, well, sometimes I think it's just me. Can I clear that up for you and say that it's always you? It's always you. Just like you chose Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just like you chose to believe that God is good. Just like you chose to believe that the word of God is your truth. You pray in tongues. You choose it if you want to. Now we've based this charismata teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 14 when it says, Pursue love but desire spiritual gifts. So I would say right off the bat, if you have no desire for God's spirit to come into your life and maybe help you beyond what you've experienced so far, then this probably isn't for you. But if you see that you possibly could have lack and that you don't know it all and that maybe God's ways are higher than your ways, and maybe, just maybe, he knows more than you do. And maybe my finite mind cannot understand or comprehend charismata. Maybe he's so much bigger than me that I'm willing to say, this doesn't have to make sense. Matter of fact, I don't want it to make sense. If I can put my God in my box and I can tell him how he can move and how he can't move, then he's not God. He's no bigger than me. I serve a God that's so much bigger than me. He has stepped in so many times, and I'm fortunate to have been raised in a Pentecostal church. Now, many things the Pentecostal church teaches, I don't believe. But I thank God that I had a grandmother. I had a tumultuous home but we looked really good on Sunday morning. So much turmoil, so much fighting, so much sin, so much pretending, so much covering up. But I would go to my grandmother and I would say, Momo, this is what happened. And she would start to pray in tongues. And you know what would happen? All of a sudden, this little girl would get peace that maybe God was going to take care of it. And he always did. Amen? Now, I want to give you a little history because I believe that having a time frame in our brains helps us. Back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit moved, but the Holy Spirit moved in certain times, in certain ways, on certain individuals. Okay? Can we agree on that? And then Joel, Joel isn't the only one, but Joel is the one I'm going to use today. In chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, Joel prophesied what? In that day, he's going to pour his spirit out on who? All flesh. All flesh. 
He's going to pour his spirit out. Now, they didn't know that this would be a couple thousand years later when this actually happened. But Joel prophesied it. It's in the book of Psalms. It's all over, but this prophecy, and pay attention to the water emphasis here. He's going to pour it out. It's not a sprinkling. It's not on a few who deserve it. It's not only on the men. It's not only on the women, but it's on all flesh. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Okay? Then we have what we've called the silent years, the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where there wasn't really a loud prophetic voice. There wasn't really a king or any one person that was declaring. There were some uprisings of the Maccabeans. I've told you about that before, where people were trying to get the Jews to return back to God, to revere the temple again. But there wasn't really a voice. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth and Zechariah get pregnant. All of a sudden, an angel appears to the Virgin Mary and says, you're going to give birth to the Savior. It says that when, when Mary went to see Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. I believe that was the Holy Spirit. Wow, something's going to be different here. Something's about to happen that's going to be different than anything we've ever known. Now, John the Baptist grew up, and he preached a baptism of repentance. Repent of your sins. You cannot save yourself. You have got to repent. And then Jesus comes along to be baptized by John. Jesus' life is almost silent up until this point. He comes to be baptized by John. He goes in to get baptized, and John said something like a dove descended upon him. What happened? Even Jesus needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit to enable him to go about for the next three years of doing the ministry that God had called him. What was that ministry? That ministry was showing the kingdom of God and how radically different it was from the kingdom of this earth. You think you know how to love? You don't know how to love. Here's the love I'm talking about. Here's the healing I'm talking about. Here's the deliverance I'm talking about. Now someday, we're going to live in that kingdom in perfection. And until that day, we have the opportunity to operate that kingdom to the degree that we want to. Now I'll never be Jesus completely, but I want to be him while my days on this earth are still here. And I want to be the best ambassador that I can. Okay, so Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes about showing us the kingdom of heaven versus kingdom of this world. And then he dies, he raises again, and something happens on Easter. And here's what it is. He, he appears, he, he begins to appear to people. He appears to his disciples. He says, look at my hands, look at my feet. It's really me who died, but I didn't stay in the grave. And it says that he breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20 is, are y'all keeping up with me? Good. Now, he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So if you are in this room today and you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the indwelling working of the Holy Spirit. You have the comfort. You have the guide. You have the voice that says, eh. Don't do that. That's not who God's called you to be. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. But why, when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, did he then say in Luke chapter 24, 
to his disciples, but now go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait a minute. We've got the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to go to Jerusalem and wait? Now, some people will tell you that that was for the church back then. That was to plant the church. That was to get the church. I don't see that, people. Matter of fact, you can't find that anywhere in the word of God. It's not there. So you have to believe that and then read that into the text. But what I see is in Luke chapter 24, he says, go wait. Wait for what? For this outpouring of power. Now, that is where I want to start today. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We've all got it if we believe in Jesus. But I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. John had a baptism of repentance. You said, well, that's, you say that's weird. I don't want this. Listen, this is good for me. That's fine. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. I'm talking to the ones today that desire more. Amen? I don't want to say that I'm more spiritual than you. I am not. I'm not better than you. You're not less than me. But I'm saying if God has an endowment of power, if God has a compounding on my natural for supernatural, why wouldn't I want it? Amen? Now, I want to give you a little bit of background about the Corinthian church before I get going. No, I'm not. I'm going to read this to you first. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. So in Luke, here's the beautiful thing about Luke 24. Who wrote the book of Luke? Who wrote the book of Luke? Who wrote the book of Acts? Okay. So Luke says in 24 that Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. So what did they do? They went to Jerusalem and they waited. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. They hear a sound, they all start gathering, okay? And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another what does this mean but others mocking said they are all filled with new wine now a few things I want to hit out of that right there some people believe listen if the Holy Spirit was for today we would all be hearing the sound of a mighty rushing wind. We would all be seeing tongues of fire on our heads. Why would we do that? Joel said I'm going to pour my spirit out in Acts chapter 2, guess what? He poured his spirit out. 
It's here now. It's available now. We don't need a rushing mighty wind. We don't need tongues of fire. All we need to do is open up our container and choose it. Now, the end of this scripture said, there's mockers. The word says there will always be mockers. There will be scoffers. Does praying in the spirit make sense? Lord, no. Neither does believing in a savior that you've never seen. Matter of fact, nothing about my faith makes sense. You know why? Because he's supernatural. I'm natural. I am a container. There is a word picture of this that, that happened, and it's talking about this, this something that looked like tongues of fire on their heads, and it's like those, that was the opening to the container, and they were filled with it. Now, God is strategic. Sanan, put that map up, or Danielle, put that map up. This is the ancient world when this happened. These are two competing empires, the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire. The Parthian Empire was basically modern-day Turkey and modern-day Iran. The rest of it was Rome, and we see all the, the Greece and all this, Egypt. That was the Roman Empire. These are two empires of power constantly competing. And there were Jews in Jerusalem when this happened from every nation of the known world of that time. Why? Why? Because when God poured his spirit out, he, he, he was mandating and giving them a mission and saying, now take it to your country. Do you know it's never gone away? Why has something lasted for thousands of years? The first five centuries of Christianity... This was activated and used in the early church. What happened? That it stopped. It never stopped completely. There was always a sect of people, always a sect of believers doing it. But in the 5th century, I love the Catholic Church, but in this area I disagree with them. Okay? No offense to any of my Catholics. I love the Catholic Church. We have so much to be thankful for. But at Constantinople, here's what happened. They took the word of God out of the hands of the common man. And they put it in the priests. And you could only learn, you could only hear through a man. And this, they decided, was for then. Why didn't it die? Constantinople was powerful. The Catholic Church was powerful. Why didn't it die? Because once you've tasted and seen, there is no turning back. And somebody told somebody that told somebody, and somebody believed. Why hasn't it been able to be killed? Because it's true. God has such a bigger way than we can understand. Amen? Now i got to look at my nose and say, where in the world am I? Okay, so why? Why do we need this? What is it and why do we need it? If you're taking notes, it's point number two. Speaking in tongues is the Greek word glossolalia in the Bible. And it means a God-given sign for accompanying the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
simply speaking in another language. Now, Paul gives two different references at different times for this. Sometimes, like when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it is speaking in a language that you've not learned, but somebody else knows. We've had that happen in our church. We've had somebody that was overheard praying in tongues and somebody that was in the audience and said, hey, I didn't know that you knew. I didn't know what it was if it was, I don't know what it was. Well, that person didn't know that language. But there's another time it's mentioned over and over in the Bible that Paul calls it a heavenly language. It may or may not be a language. Am I just intense or are y'all just, uh... (laughs) no, I'm overwhelming. I know I am. I can't help it. It's a supernatural, Holy Spirit-inspired way of speaking, praying, or praising God. Don't forget what everybody heard. They said we hear each one of them extolling God in our own language. They were praising God. And they heard it in their own language. They didn't hear condemnation. Sometimes people will use tongues to beat the dog out of somebody else. Let me just tell you, that's not God. You can't find that. If somebody comes up to you, prays in tongues, and then gives you a condemning word, say, you know what, thank you, but I don't receive that. The Holy Spirit will guide you, direct you, chasten you, quicken you, so many things. But Jesus, I loved, loved the the verse this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would have life, eternal life. And then 16... But I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved. He knows we sin. He can handle our sin. Amen? Now, what is it? It's a communicating, communicating with and expressing praise to God. I like to call it an empowerment, a compounding Whatever helps you to see that it's something bigger than you. I believe we can see two main purposes for it in the word of God. Now, I'm speaking, so this is my opinion, okay? I may or may not be right. I'm probably right, but let's just say I may or may not be right, okay? If you look at the Bible as a story, some people like to take one scripture out of the Bible and build a theology on that one scripture. I think that's dangerous. Because remember, the Bible wasn't written in English. It has been interpreted. And over time, different rabbis have taught us, well, this is what this meant in ancient Israel at that time. How many knows maybe we should listen to that? But my opinion is this. I want to tell you clearly when it's my opinion and when it's the word of God. I see two different areas of speaking in tongues from Paul in the New Testament. The first area I'm not going to spend much time on because this is the one that will probably cause controversy. I don't care. I ain't saying it's right. I'm saying more than likely this is right. Paul says this. This is, okay, oh, I got to tell you this. This is so good. This, I didn't do this. Somebody else said it, but I don't remember who said it. I'd give him credit if I could remember who it was. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit are listed. 
Say the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the spirit of the gifts. Say that. Spirit of the gifts. Chapter 14, my Pentecostal friends won't like this, is the governing or the management of the gifts. Now, if some people say, oh, no, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I lose all control. I just go to doing this and going, I, I say, well, that's not in the word. That is not in the word, people. Actually, Paul spends an entire chapter saying, this is how you manage this. All things must be decently and in order. Sometimes we will take what God has given and take it as an ex excuse to bring attention to this right here. That's dangerous. And since Paul told me how to operate it, and since Paul said the gifts of the prophets are always subject to the prophet, then I choose to believe that my will and the sovereignty of God and his gifts for the church come together and that's how he's called it to operate. The gifts. And it just brings a bunch of attention to them. Oh, let's all look over here at John. Wow, John's spiritual. Wow. Wait a minute, if we're looking at John, who are we not looking at? Jesus. I want my whole life to glorify him. Is that hard? So, Paul says this. Listen, if you want to, I, I don't have time to show you every reference, so I'm just going to tell you what I'm talking about right now is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, mainly 14. And I won't tell you anything that it doesn't say there. If I do, I will tell you. That's my interpretation. Paul says to the Corinthian church, okay, I understand that you're hungry for the manifestation of the gifts. What does the word manifestation mean? It just means the, the showing of it or the outward part of it. I understand that you're hungry for it, but listen, when you come together, I would rather you say five words in your language. In our, for us, it would be English than all the words you could speak in tongues. What? And yet at the same time, he says, I pray that you would all speak in tongues. And then he says, do all speak in tongues? Do all have the gift of miracles? Do all? Well, the jury is out on the do all. Do all has been interpreted to say that not all have been given this gift or that gift. I completely agree with you on the gift of tongues in operating in a corporate situation. Paul is saying if you're in a corporate situation and you decide, you decide to manifest speaking in tongues, you better make sure that there's an interpreter. And don't do it more than three times because we need to get to the message. Now here's what that tells me. Paul constantly, constantly keeps bringing the Corinthians back. They're hungry for manifestations. And Paul keeps saying, okay, but if you're going to do this, you need to make sure of this. Why? Because you're edified when you hear the word of God. You're edified when you hear prophecy. If I just get up here and pray in tongues to you, you don't know the flitter I've said. Do you? Which brings me to point number two of this. The second thing that Paul keeps referring to, but because it's never spelled out, you don't hear it taught much. Tongues that Paul is talking to is for your personal 
prayer life. In chapter 14, there's three different ways that Paul talks about praying in tongues in your prayer life. It's praising and thanking God. It's singing. Praise, thanks, and singing. You say, well, I praise God, and I sing, and I thank him. Have you never been standing here in praise and worship, and you're thanking God for your life, for your marriage, for your children, for your health, and you just can't thank him deep enough? Has it ever gone beyond you and your finite mind? That is when your spirit man wells up and has to be able. My spirit connecting with his spirit. Mine submitted to his. There's times we're singing where my, my prayer language, I just want it to take over and take me beyond and out of my finite being into the supernatural realm that he's provided. And there are times, and I'm going to get to this, this is not in order, so that I don't know what to pray. I'm lost. This is beyond me. Some of it is for your problems. Some of it is for your marriages. Some of it is for your children. And I don't know what to pray. I know what the fruit of the situation. I get the marriage problem, but I want to know what's the core. Is there rejection? Is there a lack of love? I don't have to know. Because I pray submitted to the one who does know. Paul says this. Oh boy. Try to find it, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up who? The one who speaks in tongues builds up who? The gifts were given for the common good. But this one is a prayer language that edifies and builds up the church, the body. If I prophesy, that's building up the church. If I lay my hands on somebody and, and they get healed, that's building up the church. Paul is talking about something that edifies us. When Sila was a little girl, she, we would pray in the spirit. I don't want to embarrass her. She's in here. She's the most gorgeous thing in the, in the whole wide world. We're sitting in row number three right here. <laughs> Sorry, baby. She would say, but Mimi, sometimes I feel like it's just me doing it. Good, it is you doing it. You are submitting yourself to him. You're choosing to operate something that does not make sense to your flesh. Paul says, to him who speaks in tongues, he edifies himself. Do you need edifying? I do. Do you need direction about your children? I do. Mine are heathens. No, just kidding. Do you need edifying in your body? Your marriage? Your finances? Your rejected spirit from when you were a child? You want to edify yourself? You don't have to. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. If you have no desire, don't worry about it for a second. I kind of think there's an order there. When we pursue love, it brings on desiring spiritual gifts. The more we press into him, 
the more we want to be like him. If my Jesus needed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his life in order for him to go about and do the ministry that he was about to do, how can I not need it? By the way, um, Acts chapter 19. I don't think I have this one down there, but Acts chapter 19. I love the scripture. We see in Acts chapter 8 where Peter said, oh, you went down to Samaria and, and, and they were all saved? Well, did they receive the Holy Spirit? Now, if we receive the Holy, Holy Spirit upon salvation, what was he talking about? I believe, my interpretation, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they laid hands on him and they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. Now Paul is saying, Apollos came along and, and they're all teaching. And, and, and he says, well, whose baptism are you, are you teaching? And, he, and they said, oh, the, the baptism of John. Paul taught them about the Holy Spirit, laid hands on them, and then they all spoke in tongues. Why? That wasn't the disciples. That was common man. That was common man. Because they needed it. I believe this is the tool that has caused the church of Jesus Christ that naturally speaking should have died out thousands of years ago to not only still be alive, but to be thriving. Amen? For the individual, it is beyond human reasoning and understanding. Why? So we don't rely on ourselves. We are so... We all tend to rely on our own understanding, on our own intellect. You're just not that smart. I'm just not that smart. My understanding is usually superficial. It's on, on the surface, but there's something so much deeper going on. Does that clock mean I've already went three minutes over? Oh, okay. Shut that clock off, please. Shut it off. We already read this scripture. I'm going to read it one more time. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our needs. That should say weakness. Yeah. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, if you've never prayed in tongues, I believe the Spirit intercedes for you. I am not for one second limiting what the Holy Spirit does in your life. But I'm talking about the baptism, the compounding of the gift of praying in tongues that takes this to a whole nother place. I sat on my patio this morning looking at the birds, looking at the trees, praying in the Spirit for this day because I'm in my own flesh. There's no way I can say it right. There's no way I can do it right. But when the Spirit comes on us, all of a sudden, it goes beyond our natural abilities. Do you have any need that needs to go beyond your natural abilities? God has a way. 
And it doesn't make sense to the natural mind of man. Who the heck cares? I need something so much bigger than me. In the book of Jude, y'all all right? I know I'm intense. I know I am. I can't help it. Jude gives a call to perseverance starting in, in verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers. There's those scoffers again. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you've laughed and made fun of people that pray in tongues. Now I'll admit I've laughed and made fun of some of the stuff I've seen in the name of tongues, but that's my own issue. Following their own ungodly passions, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Life in the spirit. Galatians tells us this. There's two ways to live your life. In the flesh or in the spirit. Now there's fruits that come from both. I can't afford the fruits that come from my flesh. Occasionally, I have to taste of them because we make mistakes. We say things wrong. We act wrong. We get into strife. We get into jealousy. We get into contempt for other people. We get into fear. But life in the Spirit goes above and beyond my flesh to my spirit man. And then Ephesians chapter 6. pointing. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this. He's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. We've put on truth. We've put on righteousness. We've put on peace. We've put on our salvation. And how does he end it? Pray in the Spirit. Because that is your power. That is your weapon against the enemy of your soul. He says we don't battle flesh and blood. We batter, battle spirits. Can you battle spirits? Good luck to you. He can. He can so easy. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But you have to put it on. In Ephesians chapter 5, right before this, some of you have heard me talk about this before. Paul is telling the Ephesians, which is interesting because Acts chapter 19 that I read to you where Paul says, um, whose baptism are you teaching in? And they said, John, that was in Ephesus that, that Paul said this. So now in the book of Ephesians, same city, same, same people, same situation. He says in, in chapter 5, 15 to 18, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to really listen to this because this comes down to if you desire this gift. Be filled is in present tense. Do you know what present tense means? It didn't happen in the past, and it's once and for all, it's done. Present tense means it happened, 
It can happen again. It can keep on happening. What is he saying? Be filled. Keep being filled. And the same be filled is a passive voice. The theme or patient of the main verb, being filled, that's me, be filled, undergoes an action or has its state changed. All of this in two words, be filled. The state of our being is changed. Third thing, it's, a, it's the, in the imperative mood, which means it's a text that has a command or request attached to it. You can say, no, thank you. Or you can say, yes, thank you. You know, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to end with this. Band, if you would come up. Romans chapter 12, the word picture for Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is this empty, dirty container. Nasty container. What's the first thing you got to do to it? You got to clean it. That happened at salvation. We stand perfect before the throne of God. That container needs to be cleaned. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You stand perfect. You're spiritually perfect. But we have a lot of flesh to walk out here on the earth. Amen? Now that this container is clean, it needs to be filled up. So you fill it up. But that's not the end of the story. The word picture is you keep filling it up. You keep filling it up. And it pours out. What did Joel say? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. We have the opportunity every single day to be filled. Fill me again. I need more. Yesterday's wasn't good enough. Because there are problems today. There are needs today. There are hurts today. We went to the conference last month. And Terry Virgo challenged all of us. He says, I challenge you. Not only to pray in tongues, but why don't you give it 30 minutes? If there's something in your life that you can't get past, you need something bigger than you. If you've got anger, if you've got self-righteousness, if you've got horrible finances, if you're judgmental, if you have children that will not line up with the word of God, you ain't going to get the job done. But when his super comes on your natural, he can get the job done. But it's a submission. I don't believe anything in the word of God makes us the theme. Look at me. Look at what God's doing in my life. If you're looking at you, there's somebody you're not looking at. Now you say, well, how does this happen? This is my interpretation. Once again, I'm documenting it. This is what I believe. I've never had the experience in my life where the Holy Spirit came upon me and started speaking through me without me joining with him. Now, some people teach that. So I'm not saying it's not happened. But here's what I believe. I believe it requires a submission of my will just like everything else does in my faith. Paul says he laid his hands on them. Now, they spoke in tongues. 
did they just start speaking in tongues? Or because Paul had taught them, they decided to believe and agree and speak in tongues? I don't care. I'm telling you this. We are going to pray for you this morning if you want us to. You may pray in tongues at that moment. You may pray in tongues when you get in your car. You may a week from now or a month from now. I say let God be God. Don't try to understand it. You cannot. You don't understand your own faith. There's not a person in here with enough brain cells to understand our God. Thank God that he's that big. Amen? If I talk to you before the service and ask you to pray with me, if you would come up and pray. Now, this is not weird, people. Nobody's going to manifest in some kind of freaky, nutty way. But rather, if you want a compounding and an enhancement of what you've already got going on, I want you to come up and be prayed for this morning. Turn the lights off if you would, please. We're going to start singing this song. You can come now or you can wait five minutes. We're going to be up here. If you have no interest, thank you for listening to me. And you are dismissed. Amen. your spirit You said that you would fall. Thanks again for listening to our podcast and this week's message. Again, if you'd like to find out more about our church and attending a live service, you can find us online at www.rockchurchqc.com as well as on Facebook at Rock Church of the Quad Cities and on YouTube. Just search Rock Church QC and you'll be able to access our past sermons. And when you subscribe, you'll be notified when we go live for our weekly services. Until next time, have a great day and God bless.